You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, PJ. But I have not only my regular co-host with me, Matt Shiles. Matt, hello. good to be here with you. Yeah, nice to be back. It's been a couple of weeks. It has been a couple of weeks. I wasn't here last week, and so, but I did hear that we played a... Yes. For Takes podcast. Yeah, it was the Q&A That's with right. you and Pastor Gus. That we yes, that yeah. that was that was a fun yes. episode that I had with Pastor Gus and all of the questions that came in from our brothers and sisters in the Seminole County jails. And so but we also have a third wheel. We do. The yeah, third wheel. Third I like wheel. that. Yeah. Back, is that a fifth wheel or third wheel? I, I think it's yeah. So Yeah. But the third wheel today is Pastor Derwin. What's going on, everybody? He's probably been called worse. I have been called worse, but third wheel. You want to tell I'll us what it. you've been called? No, I can't tell you. Okay. It's not. It's not. It's not uh, appropriate for extra takes or appropriate for extra takes. Okay. So we, I, we well, won't. it is an extra extra take. Yeah, no, we, we won't do that. Okay, I, we will spare. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I'm excited with you two. You sure? Yeah. All right, yeah. we're going to do it. Well, and my brain is still not fully functioning. It's in vacation. It, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I really did unplug. That's good. And so coming back, I mean. Definitely foggy. So it's all right. We'll we see got where you. it goes. We'll cover you. All right. Thanks, man. Yes. You will finish my sentences? I, I may. All right. I'm going to attempt to. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to really hit on three things. We're going to look at where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. So, what do I mean by that? So, uh, we'll take a look back at this past weekend, Family Day. And um, and everything that that went on with Family Day, uh, a lot of great things to uh, to talk about and just debrief on. And then we'll do a look back of uh, the month of July, the the four weeks of the theological educational discourses, the TED series on um, our theology and doctrine, and just kind of do a recap and and talk a little bit about some of the reflections that we have. And then we'll end our time with a look forward uh, for this week and then the coming weeks with our upcoming series. So as a reminder, this weekend was July 30th. Um, this was Family Day, and uh, the service was coined hashtag church buddies, and the, the scripture was Psalm 133. You you like church buddies. Well, I was just laughing because, you know, Derwin told me he was going to be doing that title, Church Buddies. Yeah. It just remind, and the reason why I chuckle is because there's this movie series about like dogs that they have the Treasure Buddies, Space Buddies, Santa Buddies. Okay. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I, yes. If you if you if seriously, if you google it, there's this whole kind of movie series out there about dogs. Okay. And it's like Treasure Buddies. Uh, again, I would just said them all. I don't have to say them again. But Yes, and and that's why I just chuckle because I think of that about those movies. Yeah. So anywho, that's funny. Is yeah. there one about church? No, <laughs> no. That's why I'm chuckling. Well, maybe there yeah. should be. Maybe there should be. We you know, but bring your dog to church. I don't. Yeah. Well, we do have. We do have. What do we? Uh, let's like bring your. Gosh, what do we have? What's the ministry? And we have. We have. Oh my gosh, it sounds so bad. The pastor doesn't know the ministry, but it's with, it's with the dog. It's with with pets. Dogs. I, w- I will think of it. I'm blanking, so I think we're both fuzzy today. But yeah. but it'll come to yeah. me. Because yeah. there's like you need to come see, and I'm like I do need to come see. It's pet pals. Pet pals. That's it. Thank you, Matt. See, if I if I gave you a little bit more time, I knew you. Could I just do it, needed so. a couple seconds. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, so pet pals is an awesome ministry because it goes to um, senior living facilities and other places and yes. and brings their dogs warm and fuzzies. warm fuzzies. Yeah. And that's where you can church buddies. That's it. There that's you go. It. So well, honestly, that the whole church buddies thing as part of our family day, was because growing up, I had a church buddy, and a Mm. church buddy is someone that allows church to feel like home. Hmm. So regardless of race or, you know, even similar interest, that there's this commonality around Christ and and this communication and union around Christ. So his name 
was actually Buddy Duggar. And um, and so it was a cool thing because I sat next to him when I was a college student. I yeah. sat next to him in the adult choir. And um, and we didn't have a lot in common, but we had Jesus in common. And so he was kind of like a grandpa mentor, and I would go to his farm and hang out. And so it was just cool. And I, I when I think of church as a kid, because I stayed home um, for college and lived at home, so went to the same church. But he mm. is the one that comes to mind a lot because awesome. of his investment in me. And just he was a good old country boy yeah. that just, you know, invested in this this college student. So it was neat to have that church buddy. And that's, that's awesome. I think, an important part for us yeah. to realize even in this day and age, because that was years ago, that we can have a church buddy. We can have people that we associate church with mm. that help church to really feel like family. Mm. So, And did you say that one of your friends now, there's a relation to buddy that you weren't well, I, what I didn't know is when he actually passed, I realized at that moment um, that a, a friend of mine that I went to school with, okay. went to you know elementary school and middle school and all of that, that was his grandson. That was oh, Buddy's grandson. So okay. Bobby is the friend that I had yeah. that was my age, yeah. but that was Buddy's grandson, and I had no idea until Buddy passed because Bobby didn't go to church where I went, Citrus Park in Tampa. So it was it was a very cool thing to know and to be able to tell Bobby, and he, of course, passed this on to his mom, how important his grandfather was in my life. That's so awesome. It was, really cool. it was awesome to hear that story and, and great to hear the story from Amanda as well, um, both past church buddies and then you guys brought up some of your current church buddies yeah so since i've been here at northland you know and meeting people in the foyer and talking to people i've met this family and they have two little kids jackson and wyatt and they have become my little buddies and yeah wyatt one day said hey pastor when would you come to my birthday party and i'm like why not yeah. So he invited me to his birthday party at Ryder Park, and we went there you and celebrated. Go. And yeah. we've had their family over for dinner and so or for lunch. And so it's just been a really mm. cool thing of developing these relationships that – I mean, those boys are, are – I'm old enough to literally almost be like a grandfather age yeah. for these kids. Yeah. But they are just – they just see this pastor at church, and they – have a relationship with this pastor every Sunday when I see him, Pastor Derwin, and they run up and you know acknowledge me, and it's just it's it's cool because that's what church a big part of what church yeah. can be for us is that community. Yeah, while you guys were talking, it was cool that Kaylee leaned over and said, you know, I just thought of this. Val Garber was her church buddy growing up. She hadn't thought of it that way, but as you were describing it, somebody, and I think that's part of it is who who comes to mind, right? As right. you're describing church buddy, who comes to mind that kind of fills fills that role. That's right. Um, so we had a lot going on this weekend, um, and I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was wonderful. We had uh, all of us in one service and a couple things. So we did City Connections. That's let's right. Let's start with talking about that. Yeah, so we had the whole sanctuary divided up according to the different parts of the Orlando Metroplex and what's around us right here in Longwood. And, of course, you have Altamont, Sanford, you know, we, we even had Volusia County and down yeah. to Kissimmee. Yeah. I mean, all of these different areas. And so we just wanted people to see who of our Northland family they live around. Yeah. And um, that way they can kind of connect outside of church on Sunday morning. And it, it was it was cool. I think it was accepted well. And some people, you know, were like, I sit here every week. And okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But we do have a purpose for why we're doing yeah. this. And it's, it's missional too. So you can see who lives around you, but then also see what what you guys can maybe collectively do in inviting a neighbor over or having something at your home and yeah. your area. So it was really a neat time. So all week, Pastor Gus and I were were debating on who would have the biggest section. So he's Winter Springs. Winter Springs, I think, might have been the winner. It's a loud it bunch. Was, they were loudest. They were yeah. the loudest, yeah. That was neat to see people yeah. celebrating as I called out or, or Amanda yeah. called out different areas. Yeah. And Winter Springs was yeah. quite loud. So, yeah. Pastor Josh, what, what area do you live in? Do you live in Winter Springs? I have a Winter Springs address. It's, it's fascinating because I thought Pastor Gus said that. And, uh, and we know I, you're a little competitive, just a little bit. Just a little. Um, so even without you being there to really pump up Winter Springs, we even put them in the back. You put Winter Springs in the back? The back, oh, corner, the back corner. And they were – People texting me complaining <laughs> where they had to sit. And they were rowdy. 
They were very in a, rowdy. In a really good way. In a good way, um, yes. But yeah, Chris and I, so so Carissa, myself, and then um, you and Amanda, where where was Amanda from? She, Amanda's actually right here in Longwood. I okay, think. so Longwood, Mary was front and center, yeah. like myself. That's me, Lake Mary Sanford. And then Lake Mary was uh, was was front and center too. So maybe I think there's a coincidence there that. Uh, who knows? <laughs> well, I think we tried to figure out where the majority of our people are. So according yeah, to the I, section and I thought it worked well. Position people, and it really did. We were kind of correct in what we did. Something else that I want to talk about and just reflect on a bit was the baptisms. Um, so we had 31 people baptized, um, men, women, boys, and girls. Um, that brings us to 106 for this year. That also includes um, five men from the Bridges of America. Amen. Unfortunately, weren't able to come, so they're still going to be baptized. We, we're going we're gonna to plan on doing that, and we're also planning another baptism in October. So Yeah, and I have... We definitely will have one that that day. Talk about that. So Luke, our 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 little Luke, he really was baptized in October. Amen. So he wanted to be baptized this past weekend, but we're like, well, let's put it this way: you may, you're, you're not gonna be baptized, but your mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, so that's great because uh, you know, go back to you know, you talk about where uh, we, you know um, where we've been or where yeah. we're going. Yeah. And so this this year, so 2023, and I wrote down some overall goals. Or, and one of the overall go- goals was to baptize over 100. So yeah. we're just a little over halfway through the year, and we've already exceeded our goal. Mm. Uh, that, that, again, you, you know, we just felt like where, where we are, this would be a good goal to shoot from. Now, last year in 2022, we baptized 77. Mm. So if you kind of think about that, we're about what? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not really good at math, but that's about thirty. Yeah. You know, uh, that thirty more this year than last year. Yeah. And so, just just exciting uh, to to see, and and I think the uh, a big takeaway that we do just need to stress is that they're not all kids. So that yeah. there are there there are adults that the Lord is is moving and drawing. Mm. Uh, them to himself, and so it's really, really cool to see what God's doing here. Mm. And so, maybe you can explain to us why you even stated that, because there that is a thing in church life of seeing kids get baptized a lot. And I think it might be it's just easier for kids to see and understand and get it. Well, they're, but they're typically there. You know what I'm saying? Go. Like when when kids come to you know, it's like their parents are there. You know, and so you kind of almost expect kids sure. at some point to make a decision. Sure. So the fact that you have adults is is showing the reach that we're having mm. to adults who at some point in their life, whether it was recent, whether it's been a couple of years, they, they've come back, you know, or that we've had our very own being missionally engaged yeah. and building the bridge and, and building relationships to those who are far from Jesus. So it really shows a more comprehensive engagement mm. that we're having with, with obviously kids whose parents are here, but they're making a profession of faith to adults. Like even, you know, you're talking about Bridges of America yeah. uh, guys. I mean, uh, th- they're adults, yep. and you know whether they grew up in church. We don't know. Some of them probably did. Some of them probably didn't. Yeah. Didn't. But God is engaging. Like uh, uh, now, this was the last time we baptized. But one of the gentlemen that got um, uh, that got baptized, uh, many might remember him. He uh, uh, he had lost. You know, again, he had lost his leg. I don't remember wh- what it was from or whatnot. But he, you know, he's hopping into the baptistry. Has yeah. you know, I was able to pray with him and his family. Yeah. Afterwards, but uh, he came through our community involvement program yeah. that we have. So he worked here at Northland through community service. Yep. So I mean, I'm telling so you, God, is... We, God is reaching people in so many ways here at Northland, and that is a good, healthy sign of more of a comprehensive scope of ministry rather than a one-dimensional engagement strategy. It's good. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. There was at least one gentleman from community service this time. Wow. Um, I know one gentleman from jail, um, and it was man all all walks of life. Um, like we said, boys and girls, um, 
men and women. And, and something that, that you did, Pastor Derwin, was, um, was interview. You did a couple interviews. So, so why was that important? Um, we, we didn't interview everybody, but we did a couple interviews. Why was it important for, our, for the congregation to, to hear those testimonies? Sure. I think it is important for people to hear and see something personal mm. and to hear why someone even would want to think about getting baptized and what led to them accepting Christ or coming to Northland. Mm. And maybe they may see themselves in mm. that person and say, you know what, that that kind of mirrors my story. Mm. And so it can be a bridge for someone to say, you know what, this is a church that I'd want to be a part of, or I want to be a part of the bigger church. I, mm. I want to accept Christ. So mm. it was very purposeful. And, mm. and some churches do that on the regular where yeah. they have these interviews of people getting baptized. Yeah. And so I thought it was something really good that we added into the service. Yeah, there was there's an authenticity that came out from it. And um, what I appreciated about, uh, I think both the interviews that you did, you asked the question, how can we be praying for you? Correct. And um, and I think that's a great question to think about and to be asked of ourselves. I don't think we always are asked that. So yeah. um, did they know that that question they was coming? They didn't know, so I, I gave the questions out. And it was really cool to hear little Cammie say, pray for me as I am a witness in my school. I, I want to be a witness in my school and, and for public school. And for good influences. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was powerful. Yeah. You know, because we, we can easily – kind of write people and write things off and say that this mm. next generation is not living and going to live for Christ. But, you know, God's always going to have his remnant that's there to, to stand strong and to stand firm. And so that was a really cool part of the service. <laughs> I, you know, you, you know what you were saying, you don't know what to expect. So let me just d- dive into that just a little bit, how, you know, when it's typically an older generation that will look back and go, well, they're just, you know, it'll be, it'll be a little bit more cynical sure, and even skeptical. Yeah. But I would want to say that's on you. I mean, according to the Bible, you, you know, like there there is this idea of that you're passing on to the next generation. Mm. And I think that, you, you know, so, yes, here's what we do know generationally just from data is that – Every generational cohort, younger generational cohort, is attending church less Mm. than the one above them. Mm. Okay, so that means if we do want to reverse, you know, if we want to reverse that trend, okay, not only do we have to start in our own homes, so therefore, even we have to kind of look at our own commitment. So, Mm. parents, you got to look at your own commitment and going, are we modeling Mm. the kind of life and behavior that is elevating the importance of the community of God Mm. in our life? Mm. Because what has happened over generations is that each generation has been a little bit more less committed to the community or the people of God than the previous, okay? Mm. So one, we got to start in our own household and go, hey, are we, are we committed here mm. to church? Not are we just committed to going to church, are we really committed to partnering with the church, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and again, going back to the whole buddy thing, I mean, it's really more about relationship, transact. you know, tr- when I say relational kind of um, connection than transactional attendance, mm. okay? So I, I go, I transacted. I, so it's just like I went to the gym. I, you can go to the gym and not be connected. Hmm. You can go to church and not be connected. Hmm. Yeah. So, so that's where, like, we got to start now, but we got to go a step further. And and as a church, too, we've, we got to know the younger generation, meaning we, we got to know their, their hurts, their habits, their hangups, yeah. uh, so that we can engage them well. And so that that's a missional exercise now. Mm. And so I, all I want to say is like I you know take it a little bit deeper the you know from what Derwin says going yes, but a lot of times instead of being cynical and skeptical, we need to be missional. Mm. So that's a great that's a great great point. And um, yeah, and, and and that's a humbling thing to say. Hey, let's start within our own families. It's it's easy to just point out. Um, others flaws and um, other shortcomings, but um, there's a little more intentionality when you uh, when you start with your own family. Yeah, and and another thing about starting with your own family too is that you don't have to be when I say legalistic and rigid about it. Explain to your kids 
this is extremely important. This is why it's important. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, at some point they're going to get, you know, they're going to reach the age where I would say, yeah, don't force them. And I know some what somebody's thinking out there. Well, what age is that? Uh, that's for another podcast for another day. Because if I start, tr- you know, going down that trail, we, we we won't stop. Yeah. But but definitely when they're in, you know, young elementary school, middle school, even some, you know, the high school years, is that you really do like. It, and, and and you need to explain that it's not a force thing. You need mm. to explain that it really is a relational thing. Mm. It's a relational thing first and foremost to the Lord, that if the Lord values his people, we ought to value his people. Mm. And, and that's what we've really tried to teach our kids is that, yeah, there are things that we don't force them to do, but there are things that we explain to them why we do. So, Well, and as you were sharing that, it, it reminds me of one of the one of the main and key benefits of doing a service like this one is having everybody in service together. So we have the whole family. We got all the kids in service. And we have an opportunity as a church body to show the next generations, right, how we do how we do it, how we do church, how we are community. No, we're not doing it every week. Um, but there, there is something good and beneficial yeah. of us modeling that together. Yeah, and just to reiterate why, why we do these kinds of weekends is every fifth Sunday we do more of a family, mm-hmm. or that, that's been the goal this year, mm-hmm. is to do more of a family service. So, you know, basically first grade and up, it gives our towel holders a break from the weekend, but it allows the families to worship together because we do believe in contextualized ministries. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that there's some, you know, there, there are some other churches and believers and leaders out there that think that, you know, every gathering should be integrated. Uh, we don't believe that here. Just as I preached the message in, in Acts, you know, you had Paul, he engaged Jews one way, he engaged Gentiles another way, but with with the same truth, but but he packaged it differently mm. based upon what they were where they were at. Mm. So that's why we do what I call contextualized ministries. But part of part of the goal too is that as our children grow and as they mature they become more integrated now we are actually working on middle school that we will start offering something for them contextualized ministries for them okay. on Sunday starting in January because again it goes back to a contextualized ministry sure but but again as they age we're going to be more integrated where when you get into high school that's why I love what we do here I yeah. mean we have high schoolers that are on video camera. We have high schoolers yeah. that are running sound. We have high schoolers that are teaching back in preschool. We, like, but, but we have to be very intentional as they, and again, as children age, we got to be really intentional about how we are investing in them and cultivating mm. the, this idea of discipleship for them. So, mm. um, but, but yeah, every fifth Sunday, we want to have more of a family type of gathering. Mm. Uh, now, this one just so happened to be, hey, it's the summer. Let's do just one gathering, and then we'll have some fun things afterwards where people can actually connect. So that's why we do yeah. what we do. That's that's wonderful. So I I want us to shift gears now. Um, you know, this past weekend was, was wonderful, and I wanted us to take some time and, and reflect on that. So let's shift gears now and, and get our minds on this this past month of the TED series. So the Theological Educational Discourses, we will be doing this um, every summer, these, these TED Talks, these 20-minute talks. This was, um, this was on theology and doctrine. So we laid out four weeks of the primary, primary um, doctrine. So um, let's just start with um, what, reflects, what, what reflections, high-level reflections do you guys have when you think back on those past four weeks and, um, and what we were able to uh, present to the congregation? You know, um, the third week was the one that there was probably the most concern and I would even say consternation about. So remind us, yeah. Yeah, marriage and family and gender and sexuality. Yeah. And it's a lot to do with where we are as a culture and Mm. how pervasive other thoughts and beliefs are. 
and really wanting to put our feet down and say, here is where we stand. Here's why. Yeah. Here's what the Bible says. And just be very clear. Mm-hmm. You know, now there are people that have taken the word of God and have, have um, I would even say, misconstrued and pulled it one way that it's clear that it's not going that way. And so one of the things that really struck me, and it was said by many people, and then of course people that we haven't even heard from, that it, the, the sensitivity and the way that it was delivered was was honoring to the Lord. Hmm. And it was also um, acknowledging the very much the need that we have as humans to be seen and to be heard and to matter. Mm. So just because the beliefs might be different, somebody that is part of the LGBTQ plus community, they could not sit there and say that there was any hate or frivolity around how that topic was handled. And so I, I just want to commend you, um, Josh, on how you handle that. It was, it was, I think God was well pleased with how that was handled, and it was direct. There was mm-hmm. no any. There was not a. Where do we stand on this? It was very direct, but it was done with love and with grace, as you said. It was the sandwich of <laughs> grace and truth. You yeah. know, was, was that it? Grace well, no, well, you know, the, the truth was in the middle. The, the, the ends were yeah. very gracious. So there you, go. you know, mm-hmm. think about a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, you have grace on the ends, be it the truth mm-hmm. in the middle, and so. You know, it makes it more palatable. And, and I think, yet again, you know, even if you go back and look at how some, you know, I talked about how there's three kinds of churches yeah. that engage in this. You know, you, you have the polarized, you know, kind of churches or the extreme churches. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ostrich churches and then you have the messy middle. But that's in that's in a lot of things. Yeah. Is that, you know, one of the things that turns people off a lot are the extreme churches that are very rigid, yeah. you know, kind of on either like, extreme. Oh, oh yeah, on yeah. either extreme. And so... Uh, but here's the other thing about messy middle churches that they're in the messy middle. So there will be those who are on the extremes that still have issues with those that that try yeah. to enter into the to the messy middle. But uh, I, Jesus, I really believe Jesus entered into the the messiness. Mm. Uh, people always yeah. want. I mean, particularly like even the religious leaders, they were always trying to get him to side with some things. You know, and and but he always threaded the needle, mm. and I want us to be a church that really attempts to to thread the needle yeah. on some really hard. I mean, because we know this as a culture, things are not going to get any easier. Yeah. They're not getting any easier, and this is aside from just the the gender, sexuality, marriage, and family, like. It's that those though obviously those areas will continue to 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 be in, in this this messy uh, array of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Just again, where do you stand? How do you deal with these? Yeah. Uh, but this other things, politics. Like so next, so next, I'll just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. So next year in 2024, yeah, the TED series that we will do will be around politics because Ooh, it will be okay. an election season. Right. So we'll enter into the messy middle, and I, we will not shy away from these things. Hmm. Now again. We might not make you know as many friends, but I th- I hope people will see the, the 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 grace and the sensitivity in which we're willing to enter into these messy arenas, but but full of truth and grace because we want to reflect Jesus well. Well, it's a it's a great point that that this week the the third week marriage and family gender and sexuality obviously because of our point in culture is you know one of the heaviest weightiest ones but it hasn't been the first and it won't be the last yeah. right and um and anytime you talk about the messy middle and when you talked about the messy middle this time yeah it reminds me of politics and it reminds me of it it, it we have brought up the messy middle in four or five different venues on this podcast because it just applies to so many different things. So um, if you haven't um, listened to that podcast of week three, I would encourage you to. So this is with Pastor Josh, Joe Curtis, and we had a special guest, Lori Creek. And um, and there was a couple kind of things that stood out from that podcast and really that stood out from that week. Um, Pastor Darwin mentioned just the, the emotional and the humble posture certainly stood out when when you were preaching. Um, From the podcast, you said you want to be engaging in these spaces with tears. 
Um, and, and Lori had mentioned, if you don't talk about this, specifically this topic, if you don't talk about this with weightiness, then you haven't read enough or talked with others enough. This is a hard teaching, she said. And I thought that was just a, a really, really important point. Um, as we are entering into these topics that are messy, if we're going to do that, and we're going to do it with with grace and truth. We we need to we need to know. We need to do our research, and we need to to talk to people with firsthand experience. We need to read books and educate ourselves. Um, and I would say so. Um, just just to go just a step further on that is it will be. Again, the, the the weightiness of it is to make sure that you balance truth and grace. Mm, right. Because if yeah. you have all relationships and and no understanding of the Bible, you're going to tend to be more gracious than you are truthful. Yeah. If all you're doing is spending time in the Word and studying what the Word says with no relationships and the messiness of what they're dealing with, then you're going to have all truth but little grace. Yeah. And so 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 when we talk about balancing truth and grace, it really is a balancing act. And there are going to be times and again, I'm not perfect, we're we're not perfect. There 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 actually might be times when we're trying to enter into the messy middle where if you if you take a step back, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I was I was I was really full of grace, but I had I had no truth there." Yeah. You know, or I gosh, I had a lot of truth and but man, it it was cloaked. It, it it was not even covered in any grace. Yeah. And so it might show you that you need to spend a little bit more time with a certain element, but that's but good. it is a seesaw because of our and that's why we're looking to Jesus because he is he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm. So so we're looking at him because he was able to balance it. Yeah. Because he 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 was God. Yeah. And so if we're going to balance well, we're going to have to balance with what we're talking about with with you know, not not, not only just relationships but understanding the messiness of humanity. Hmm. And one of the ways to understand the messiness of humanity if you want to enter into it is understanding the messiness of your own self because if you don't really understand the messiness of your own self and that you actually needed grace, you'll never you'll never you know, show grace to other people. But then to hmm. un- understand the truthful part they're going, all right, this is what God wants. Yeah. This is his standard. He's holy. He's distinct. Yeah. There's no one like him. He's pure. You know, it's all of those things. And so, therefore, you're going to let the truth penetrate you, change you, while understanding the messiness of just being human. Hmm. And then, then, then you're going to walk in great, you know, humility Asking the Spirit of God to help you balance those two out in ministry, you, you know. So, and then you just have to have discernment too. Like, so there's a message, you know, coming up on on suffering. Okay, here's the thing: you're going to enter into that with a lot of grace because the truth is here. Like, we're, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, but but so there's going to be some areas where you can you can enter into them with a lot of grace, still with the truth. Uh, because it's more palatable, you, you know, for for some people. But then, you know, areas like this, you have to enter into it with this huge balance mm. because of the sensitivity and the weightiness of it. Mm. So, I mean, so it's, it, that, that's that's life. That's that's pastoral ministry. Yeah. And so um, that that's what I would call probably spiritual EQ. <laughs> ah, you, you, yeah. You know uh, yeah. that that intelligence, uh, mm. but that that kind of intelligence really only comes through Holy Spirit discernment given to you. Yeah. So. I don't think you sound uh, sound fuzzy at all. That was uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I'm gonna have fuzzy. to go back and yeah. uh, listen to that one again because that was uh, yeah. I I think what you just shared is so applicable with um, so many things with the messy middle, and um, will be very valuable for us as really a foundational um, way of interacting with the world, cultural engagement um, as we move forward and as we. Um, Man, look forward to the political season. I, we're going to be that's but, a year from now, so we'll, we won't. Yeah, we'll we're going to be we're going to be tired of those commercials before we even get to the summer. So yeah, that's going to be Netflix commercials aren't on Netflix. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I just started a new series on Netflix. Oh, it's boy. an old series, but oh boy, 
What? No. Is it? Is it? It's not a bad. I don't I think would, it's bad. Why would you insinuate that I would say it was bad? I don't know. You say, you, he you said, said, oh boy. Oh boy. You said, it's oh boy. We're going to hear about this series. Oh, and, it's just yeah. called Suits. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, but it's Meghan Merkel on there. Yeah. And so oh, I did, yeah. Oh, okay. I've never seen okay. it. It's yeah, about we, lawyers. And so gotcha. it's, okay. it's fun. Yeah, we've been watching it too. Oh, have you? Yeah. Yeah. See, if Matt watches it, I mean, it's really, yeah, it's clean. Well, I mean, not sure we could fully endorse it, but yeah. Yeah, it has a few choice words every yes, now and then, but yes. it's contextualization. It's I'm just, I'm just it's not It's not G. Yeah, Let's just say not, that. Yeah, it's not G. So <laughs> didn't expect to talk about suits. Okay. Amen. So what are some other reflections that we want to share from these past four weeks? Um, well, you know, the – Two things I probably would mention as far as reflection is that you, you really do got to go back to the very first TED Talk on the Word. I mean, the Word drives everything. Like if, you know, and that's why, like, I'm, I, you know, I've been listening to, uh, there's a well-known pastor. He, he did his series, The Fundamentals. And so obviously if you Google Fundamentals, you'll find out who it is, um, Andy Stanley. <laughs> Just tell you so you don't have to Google. But... You know he has a he has a a very interesting take on on his position on the word. Uh, okay. We don't believe his his position. Okay. Uh, because the the if you water down the authority of the word, then what 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 are we let you know? Sure, you can you can I guess theoretically and technically believe in in the gospel, which is the good news of King Jesus that he is he is God uh, and through his death and resurrection is making all things new i mean that that that's mm. the good news mm. um okay but but if you but if but if you have kind of lessened the authoritative word both in old testament and new testament then then ha, ha, you know in some sense ha, how do you really know right and so yeah. that's where i feel like you you know a, a watered down authoritative word is not an authoritative word right. hmm. and so that's why I, you know everything all these doctrines are built upon our understanding of the word and i think yeah. i laid it out fairly well as much as i could in in 23 minutes that day and then in the podcast and then derwin he's going to be doing a a life group on the word in september i think yes and so go to that. Know why we believe in the authority of God's word. Hmm. So so that would be a highlight. And then the 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 last one is and I didn't get to it. I think I'm gonna mention it this coming Sunday. Yeah. And it's called the last things. Okay. So it's a big word, eschatology. So it's the theology of uh, of the end. Mm-hmm. And so what what do we believe about that? Well, so here here's kind of what we believe. We believe in the personal imminent second coming of Jesus. So mm. we believe that Jesus will physically come back a second time. Amen. So uh, when when I study the, the you know eschatology, there's a lot of people who think that they know, and there's a lot of people who also think that they know, and they're, <laughs> they're they don't align. And so, but here's what here's yeah. what I do believe that 99 percent of us uh, theologians and scholars we can agree on, and it really has to do with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is the running theme. Or it is is a running theme. There's a lot of running themes in Scripture, but it is a major theme throughout Scripture from Genesis uh, to Revelation. Yeah. And so the way I've kind of tried to articulate the kingdom of God in the past is that it is initiated in the garden where it is undermined by Adam and Eve's disobedience. Mm-hmm. It is foreshadowed in Israel be, be, because God is going to use them to be his people, to represent him to the nations. But So that's why it's foreshadowed in Israel. And the reason why it's foreshadowed is because they did a horrible job. Hmm. They stunk at it. And so, therefore, Jesus, he's going to come as the better Adam. He's going yeah. to come as the better Israel. Mm. And he's going to initiate the kingdom of God. Mm. So that's why when he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, what he is saying is that I'm the better Adam, Israel, come to initiate the kingdom. Mm. It is reflected in the church. So the church isn't the kingdom. The kingdom isn't the church. The church reflects and represents the kingdom, thus witnesses. We are testifying to the inbreaking kingdom of God that Jesus initiated at his first coming. But he also told us that he's gone to prepare a place for us. What is that place? It is the full consummated kingdom of God. 
And so, so right now we're reflect. We're in the already, but not yet. So we're we're just outpost, right? We're we're an embassy. Yeah. We're ambassadors. So so again, we're just reflecting something that that is, but isn't fully. Yeah. And then Jesus is going to come back a second time, and it's called the consummated kingdom. Mm. So when you read Revelation 21, 22, that's the consummated kingdom. When you read you know, places in Isaiah that, that talks about this new creation, that is the consummated kingdom. So we believe in the personal, imminent second coming of our Lord, and we believe that this blessed hope has a vital bearing on the personal life and service of the believer in the presence. In the present. Now, why would we believe that? Hmm. Because we're going to live here as if we're living there. Hmm. And when we live here as if we're living there, we are now reflecting and representing the inbreaking kingdom of God to a world that is lost that it lives in darkness mm. and lives separated from God. And so so that's what, you know, and I believe I'm going to kind of explain that just, again, kind of, kind of not, not in a long, uh, you know, yeah. way, probably in about five, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, but that that is one that was the only doctrine we didn't get to. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll do that when I when I get back in, in the, the gathering. Awesome. Well said. Um, and one last thing I want to uh, to mention before we – we wrap up by looking forward is um, the church. So, Pastor Derwin, you you preached on the church a few weeks ago, and you uh, you laid out a few things. One of them was the marks of the church, and one of them was uh, what the church isn't. Mm-hmm. The church isn't a fashion show. Yeah. And yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, because I, I, I like fashion. Well, I like fashion too. Um, what I meant by that is you, you come as you are. You mm. know, but we're not you you. You're not pushed away because you dress this way or that way. Mm, so mm. if you come in shorts, come in shorts. God wants your heart. Mm. Render not your garments. You know. Well, and that and that could also be applied to the, this idea of what the church offers. Sure. Be, because you know the fashion. You know. So you say fashionable. But there was this idea in the seeker church is that, you know, you know, we have all of these elements, you know, that oh, we, we have an incredible band or we have incredible programs or, you know, our pastor, man, he, he's extremely polished, which I, I don't know if that polished would ever be said. Yeah. or whatever. Or yeah. What, what, yeah. And, yeah. And so, but again, I, I think to, to stress this idea that the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance because that's what we as fallen human beings do. We're going to look yeah. at the, you know, the salt. Saul's of the world. Now, Saul was the first king of Israel. I'm not talking about Saul of Tarshish. I'm talking about Saul in the Old Testament, where he was head and shoulders above everybody. He looked the part. Mm. So here's the thing. We can look the part of a church member, but be a member of Satan's household. Because we, we, we have it all together. Wow. We, 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 have, we have put our church clothes on. We wow. have worn our Sunday best, but we live like hell during the rest. I mean, so, I mean, like, that, that, that and I love that. It's not a fashion, you know, it's not a fashion show. It is the community that God has ransomed and redeemed that they gather together on the weekends uh, to make much of King Jesus, hmm. uh, to interact with hmm. one another, to sing his praises, to hear a word from him so that they are launched into the week, hmm. you know, ready to, again, engage God on their own, engage others in the spheres that they occupy. Hmm. And so there has been this this running theme in the, you know, I would say the last, you know, three, four, you know, decades where in in, in many cases – We've turned church into what it has never intended mm. to be. Mm. Did you know that um, the when, when you talk about this idea, you know, Matt and Derwin, where I'm going to church, that, that, that idea never really came until I think it's the German word from church meant a, a place. Uh-huh. But, but the church, the, the ecclesia, that's the Greek word for church, it never meant a place. Mm. It was a people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, 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 uh, so a place can be fashionable. It's a place where you go. And so yeah. Yeah. you have to be attracted to the place. Yeah. No, the, the attraction, the attraction of the church – should be what's on the inside of the church. Mm. 
You, you know, and so, um, so yeah, so I, I'm glad you used the word fashion. Because, again, I probably wouldn't have used that word, but, you know, that's where, you know, how the Lord had directed you. You used the word fashionable, but, yeah, in the same context, yeah, it's – it's mm. not about the outwardness, right. whether it's a individual yeah. that you know you dress up, mm. uh, or whether it's a church and what they offer. Sure. It's not about that. It's about the heart, which is why, like you know, I keep always, always, and I've, I've stressed this since I've been here. Right? Is why why I wear what I wear? Yeah, and it's a missional thing. Yeah, and it's also a a personal thing, mm-hmm. you, you know. Um, and then if you take where we are at Northland, there are people that come in shorts, there are people that come in suits. Yeah, I'm right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, and then also I've really wanted to stress that it's not about what you wear; it's about who you are. Mm. God's not looking at what you wear. I'm telling you now. If I was in a different context. Like, let's say if I was in New York City downtown with, like, actual, like, you, you know, that kind of demographic, uh, you know, in upper Manhattan, I might wear, I might wear, a, a, you know, a suit, uh, maybe a coat, maybe a tie, maybe not, a, I, I, you know. Yeah. But we do know, and it's, it's interesting when you study generational cohorts uh, throughout, again, I, I teach a, I actually teach a leadership lesson on leading across generations. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the kind of the silent generation, Generation and baby boomers, they were they were the ones that dressed up. Yeah, and then you came to Gen Xers. They're you know they became more business casual, and then you have the millennials. At least they had you know at least they had you know some clothes on. You know Gen you know Gen <laughs> Z. We we you know they they're going to come in their PJs and their Crocs. I mean so I mean that's just I mean but but again that's a contextualization if you just knew our if you just knew the generations that lived. Yeah. Okay, so now. At our church, we are we we do have a a decent population of baby boomers, a lot of Gen Xers, but a lot of millennials, and then we're hoping to reach more Gen Z. Dress plays a part in that. Like so, when you look at the younger millennials and the Gen Z, I'm going to tell you one of the trends that you're going to see is a fixation on the shoes that you wear. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I have done, yeah. you know, I don't try, you know, I don't spend a lot on shoes. I don't want to be on preacher sneakers, so I don't. <laughs> I want to do that. I don't want to do that. But I, I do. I do see that. That you know. Again, that is a. Tr- I mean, pe- people might think I'm crazy for this, but but Maybe it is not. a missional element yeah. of just the kind of shoes that I would I would I would wear yep. that can. Oh, he's got cool shoes. And they're going to immediately. Th- I mean, for some now yep. again, uh, you know, somebody who's sixty-five years old and I wear a pair of Air Jordans, they're not going to like. Oh my gosh, she's wearing Air. Like right. no, but it's fifteen, sixteen. 18-year-old out there, they're going to see my sneakers. Absolutely. So yeah. so what I'm trying to really get at is that there is an element of, of missional contextualization mm. to not only the ministries and programs that we have, but to even what we wear. So, so again, there's even an intentionality about that. But again... But God's not, we're not doing this to somehow earn God's approval. We're yeah. doing this to, in in some sense, reach people where they are, awesome. which is a element of how the incarnation of Jesus played out. Is that He reached people where they were? So, well said, well said. You got anything to add to that, Air Slick? Um, I think you you I nailed it. You, you nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Have, Even I mean, with I my could, fog and everything. Hey, you, you better watch out. He's going to start preaching. Hey. <laughs> we don't have time for that right now. So <laughs> so so let's let's take uh, the next few minutes just to look forward. So, yeah. what do we have coming up this weekend? And then uh, and then talk a little bit about this new series. So a cool thing we have is we are introducing to the church the Dans. So, so who are the Dans? Uh, the Dans. Dan Young. And his family, and Dan Elkins and his family. So the first Dan, Dan Young, is our next-gen pastor to children, kids, Northland kids. And then we have a next-gen pastor to our students. That would be Elkins. So God orchestrated a lot of things in that. We were looking for one next-gen pastor. Yeah. And God brought these two guys to the surface that had kind of giftings specifically in children and in students. And yeah. so it was a blessing to see how that orchestrated and allowing both of them to come. So we're going to 
celebrate them this weekend and um, introduce mm. them formally to the church family. Wonderful. And just see what God's going to do in and through them. So Wonderful. I'm excited about that. Yeah. And I would just remind people as we welcome the Dans, uh, as you welcomed me over a year ago, is that there will be transition. Yeah. Because they're new. Yeah. Yeah. And, but this is a good transition. And remember, in every transition, there is a transformation. Mm. And so you're either going to be transformed more into the image of Adam or you're going to be transformed more into the image of Jesus. But we truly believe that God in, in his sovereignty brought both of these men to us. They have incredible gifting and expertise in the next gen, which is where we, we – I hope people see if, uh, that instead of just one, we got two Yeah, uh, because we believe that that we have to put a, a, a huge focus on next gen, not, not just people to do ministry, but people who understand that space because yeah. that's two different things. You can have people – we have incredible leaders back there. And I, you, you know, I, we have uh, Pauline, we have Renee, we have Kim, uh, Amanda. we have Amanda, we, we have several, and then obviously all of our towel holders. So we have people yeah. that are engaging, that show that we we love the next gen. But but these men, they have been in that space for decades. Mm. And so we wanted someone who missionally – can not only understand where the next generation is, but but what we need to do to make sure that we can engage the next generation well, at the same time equipping our parents to raise the next generation well. And these are the men that can do it. So that's where I would really encourage our church family to pray for them Mm. because, again, they – God has not called me to pastor the next gen. Now, he's called me to pastor the church and bring people on who know those things. Yeah. And I really believe that these men do. And I cannot wait to see where where God takes our next generation ministries yeah. in, in the coming months and even years uh, with, with these men. Uh, that is awesome. And it's fascinating when you think about next gen ministries. It isn't specific to just one generation. You know, I know we, th- we we talk a lot about Gen Z now. Before that was millennials. I mean, we were talked about what? as millennials for years and years and years as the next generation. Now it's Gen Z. What? You also have Alpha. We My have kids alpha. are so in Alpha right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So um, you have – I think the cutoff right now is the the youngest Gen Z is 12 or 13. And yeah. any, any, you know, any age below that is going to be the Alpha generation. So Luke would be considered an Alpha yeah. generation. He's a, he's 11. Yeah. And he'll be, he'll be 12. Yeah. So, so primarily right now in, in grade school, you have Alpha, but, but they're coming up and, and they'll yeah. be in middle school soon. And primarily in middle school and high school, you have uh, Gen Z, but, but, uh, but kids get older. Yeah. And millennials were there. <laughs> and before yeah. that, it was Gen X. So it's, it's this constant evolution and there's this importance. And, and it's just amazing to see how God has brought um, not one, but two pastors in this space. Um, Who they, they, I mean, they can, I mean, they have, I mean, they've led conferences yeah. on. On the you wow. know these specific areas, helping other leaders. Yeah. How, how do you engage uh, the next the next gen? So really excited about that. But here's here's another thing I'm excited about because again, this is as we gear up to enter into our fall. That's going yeah. to be a huge time for us. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if I ever said this you know in a regular gathering. Now I did say this at a now that we had at a night of worship months ago about what our goals were. You know, so our our goals, at least our overall kind of church goals, uh, we wanted to reach the two thousand mark. Um, you know, and that was kind of where Northland in, in what in, in attendance and 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 regular like physical. Attendance, and so what we have been, we we've been right around the seventeen hundred mark, and so I really believe, you know, that uh, with where where we've kind of been in the summer months, that we can really hit this by by the end of December, and so I'm I'm really excited about that. But I would say, hey, just make sure you're committed. Yeah. Uh, you know, be here as much as you can. Again, I. We do have a significant uh, population uh, of of our online family, and so I'm grateful.
grateful that when people cannot be here physically that they're engaging. And, and also we know that, that we, we have uh, Northland family that actually live in Wisconsin and North Carolina and New York. And so we're grateful for, for you uh, as well. But those who are here, may, you know, if we, if we can hit that, that would be significant for us, you know, just because of, you know, all of the transition that mm-hmm. Northland has been through mm-hmm. during really the COVID years. So, so it would be a huge win for us. Uh, another thing that I'm really looking forward to is, is fi- you know, kind of financially. Um, I have uh, I've told uh, lots of uh, leaders that I intentionally did not talk about finances in our last fiscal year. Mm. So our fiscal year is different than our calendar year. So our fiscal year runs from July through June. So the only time I really ever talked about money was in our the backstory of generosity series. Yeah. And there was a reason for that. I I wanted to see what we would what we would uh, take in from from a tithing offering base, uh, what we would take in if we didn't even mention money. Hmm. And so we we took in right under six point nine million. Hmm. And so we had to adjust some things throughout this past year to just kind of make sure that we were good stewards uh, because we had had a seven and a half million. But one of the things that I tell people is that we, you know, leading a church is not like leading a company in, in a sense of where you're selling a product. Like we are not selling anything. We're not even selling Jesus. Yeah. We're being faithful to Jesus. Yeah. And so, sure, we we can put out a number, and we try to make at least a good calculated number. So yeah. we put out seven and a half million, but God only gave us a budget of six point nine, and so we have to yeah. make adjustments throughout the year. Yeah, it's not bad, hmm. right? And so, but what we really believe, though, is that you know we we were doing some numbers, and we we actually believe that we can hit a seven and a half million dollar number this year. Because when you take in all of our units, of, of our giving units, okay, we have about 1,000 giving units at Northland that gave the $6.9 million. Well, if just 500 of those current giving units gave $1,000 more this year, we've hit that number. So one of the things that Joni and I have done since we're part of the giving units, uh, we're going to increase our giving this year mm. by at least $1,000 mm. uh, so that we can be part of the, the giving unit. Or mm. there, we know that there, there are people out there that they're, you know, they're giving, you know, they're a potential giving unit, but they're checking out Northland. So if just 50 new giving units gave $10,000 a year or 100 new giving units gave $5,000, we would hit that $7.5 million mark. And that would allow us to do everything that we've put in the budget, sure. you know, so that we don't have to kind of make adjustments. And so, so I'm actually looking forward to hitting by the end of the year, a, you know, at least a a a, uh, a track to hit our seven and a half million dollar number because I truly believe uh, that we we can do it. Mm. Now we do have another thing that's coming up, and that's the Above and Beyond initiative, and you'll hear more about it. But Derwin, you want to tell us a little bit about Above and Beyond? Yeah. So Above and Beyond is focusing on, like it says, Above and Beyond the tithes and offerings. And really it's more so the offerings. And so what we're looking at is our capital expenditures. So that's repairs and improvements. We're looking at some awnings and some really big things that affect all of us, air conditioning, (laughs) um, painting a building, roof, that type of thing. And so we have money that we're going to raise, if you will, to cover those things. But also we want to be better stewards and give towards missions more than Mm -hmm. we have been. Mm -hmm. So that's another big thing as well. And so – and benevolence. We're going to – part of that will be part of the above and beyond. And I think I left something out. What did I leave out? uh, Debt service. Debt service. Yeah. We want to – um, not just service our debt, but you know, if we can give above and beyond what we have to give to the principal, we want to do that as well. So those things are things that don't have to be done but need to be done, and so those funds will come from above and beyond. But they only can happen if our I really want to be done or want to be done. Yeah, yes. but I would say yeah. I mean, well, and and then one of the things too, going back to kind of these capital expenditures. Uh, is you know in years past they have been in the budget mm. yes and so or at least the last several years 
And so what we wanted to do is take that out so that we can leave more money for for ministry yep. and then we can raise that because Raise the Roof gave us a really good idea of how uh, what we can give above and beyond. So if someone was not here last yep. last year. Yep. What is it what it was Raise So ra- Raise the Roof was a basically a offering initiative where we were going to raise $300,000 for our roof, $150,000 for our cafe, which we're getting ready to uh, open that up. Um, And then also we were going to give money to uh, the children and the students for a renovation of the rink. rink. And then uh, I think about $200,000 was put towards our budget. And just kind of hitting our budget, which you know, um, last fiscal year we gave seven point one million, but two hundred thousand. So that's kind of where we're looking at. We're so what we what we brought in just this past fiscal year was basically what we brought in the previous fiscal year. Mm. If it wasn't for the raise the roof extra money that came in, and so that's where we really do feel like we're in a really good financial space to uh, to really move forward mm. and, and increase our ministry and mission capacity because we're actually increasing our giving capacity. And so, so yeah, we'll have our budget, which is funded through ties. Our Above and Beyond initiative will be funded through offerings. And I'll speak more about that in the coming weeks, about what's the difference. The tithe is that reoccurring gift that you give based upon what God has generously given to you. Mm. The offering is anything above the tithe. So we don't want you to give your tithe to the offering, and we don't want to give your offering to the tithe. Right. Uh, we, you, you know, If you cannot give an offering, that's okay. Uh, but but we believe that if you are a believer and you're a child of the king, that you ought to give a tithe to the Lord. And so and this tithe actually goes to funding the ministry and mission that the Lord has called his church to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is to make disciples. Uh, well, in which to even go even deeper, and that's why we have the mission statement that we exist to glorify God as we participate in his mission of redeeming a people from all peoples by engaging neighbors and nations to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. So your tithe is meant to fund that mission. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good wrap-up right there, brother. Yeah, see, you can memorize the mission statement. 30, 37 words, you can do it. He just rattled that off like oh, yeah. nothing. So it, was, it sounds yeah. like there's going to be a challenge for people. You said you and Joni are going to do... At least a thousand. So we, we've already we've already started increasing. That, is that a challenge that you're? Yeah, I, w- I would throw out a. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I, challenging and, me to do that. Too? I, I would challenge anybody who who can do it. Uh, you know, yeah. If if you can do it, I, I challenge you because that doesn't that doesn't include the bu- the above and beyond that we're going to give to as well. So gotcha. so and and again, I want to set the example as the leader. I, I really do want to set the example that I think this is doable, and I want to set a doable example for many now. I know that not everybody can do it, and I don't want you to ever feel bad that you cannot do it. Um, and so that I, that's part of one of the reasons why I, sometimes I refrain from the giving talks all the time because mm. I don't want to ever shame anybody into giving. Mm. Like God doesn't need your money mm. in that way, right? For you, for you to, in some sense, feel like oh, I got you know I gave so I don't have to feel guilty. No, no, no. That's that's not all you give. You yeah. give because you you get to, not yeah. because you have to. Yeah. And, and so, and that's where God loves a cheerful giver. And so, I, I'm just going to. Here's my thing. I'm going to do this year is I'm going to educate people on why we give. Mm-hmm. But that never means that I want to tell you that you should be forced to give. Sure. Let, let God do that in your own heart. And so, but I'm going to ve- I'm going to teach uh, in in various ways. The difference between a tithe and an offering, and we're going to fund our budget through tithes. Mm. We're going to fund our above and beyond initiative through offerings, and see what see what the Lord does in in our giving. And so that might be a really good place to end it. But you got any last parting final words? Nope. This has been a great conversation. We talked about where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. So yeah, and then we start our Iron Faith series, which is a seven week series on really a theology of endurance. Mm. So I'm going to kick things off, not this weekend, but in uh, on uh, August 12th and 13th, I believe. Yep, yep. I'm going to kick it off with Matthew 13, where we talk about the parable of the sower and the soils. And it really will be I, – I, I, I hate to even say you don't want to miss it. No, but it, it will probably be one of – 
one of the most powerful truths that that I think God has ever given me in this context. Hmm. Uh, b- because you know, in the parable of the sower, there's only one seed that 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 was saved. Yeah, and that seed yielded thirty, sixty, and a hundred. Yeah. Ultimately, what that seed did was endure. It persevered, and it produced fruit. So, so it will really that that message will lay the foundation and the groundwork to understanding endurance and perseverance, uh, because that, that that is a huge part of the Christian life. Yeah. Like I was actually reading this morning in my devotional time, uh, Mark chapter uh, uh, twelve, uh, I believe twelve or thirteen, where Jesus is is talking about the one who endures to the end. Uh, be watchful, the one who endures to the end. And so so endurance and perseverance plays a huge role in the Christian life. And so I cannot wait to unpack that series and actually use my Iron Man mm. experience and, and, and how I, I learned about more of a physical understanding of, of training for and, and endurance uh, triathlon to, you know, really how do you understand the theology of, of Christian endurance? So cannot wait to unpack that. Well, Northland family and friends, it's been an honor and a joy uh, to bring this episode to you. We love you. We are grateful for you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.